A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What is up, football fans? This is the Live from the 55 podcast. I am Danny Austin. It is Saturday morning. It's about 9.30. Uh, we normally record on Sunday evenings, but I've got Eddie Steele out of Edmonton coming on to talk a bunch of Edmonton Elks news, as well as just stuff from around the CFL. And both of us were available on Saturday morning. My parents were also in town, so I kind of don't want to waste my Sunday with my parents. Um, not waste, but I don't want to spend my Sunday with my parents recording. So instead we were recording on Saturday morning. Um, this will still be dropping on Monday morning. Full disclosure though, that means that we are recording before the Montreal Alouettes and Ottawa Red Blacks play uh, later today and before the BC Lions and Saskatchewan Rough Riders play on Sunday. Those are both, I mean, those both have the potential to be really fun games and, you know, significant games in the standings. Uh, obviously, you know, a win by the Red Blacks would be pretty big, but a win by the Alouettes sort of further establishes themselves as that sort of second team in the East, and I will argue fourth team in the CFL. Uh, I think I'd argue that pretty confidently. I don't think that's a particularly hot take by me. Uh, and then obviously the Lions and Riders, man. Lions got to win to keep pace with the with the Bombers, who beat the Stampeders 19-18 on Friday night. And, you know, the Riders, like the Stampeders, are pretty desperate for wins right now. But... Already, you know, we've had two games this weekend. Um, Edmonton beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats 24-10 on Thursday. What a time to be alive. It has been a long time coming. The Elks are still 1-9. and nine. Let's not pretend that they've all of a sudden, you know, established themselves as great cup contenders. But, you know what, I think this Edmonton team has been showing improvement. I think that what they did, taking a 22-0 lead against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers last week, sort of showed, okay, there's something here. And for a while, it felt like there was nothing here. You know, they got shot out by the Lions twice earlier in the season. A lot, a lot of talk about their home losing streak. I'm at the point. Well, I talked to Eddie already, so I will just say, Eddie says, "Hey, they got the Ottawa Red Blacks at home. He thinks that August 27th, next Sunday, is going to be the game where Edmonton finally wins at home." I sort of agree. I, I like what Edmonton's doing. I like what Trey Ford is doing. I like the way that the coaching staff is sort of using Ford's skill set. I think that that is a big physical defense that's starting to establish itself. It is good. I'm not saying the Elks are back. That would be ridiculous. They've won one game out of 10. They are, currently, there is no evidence to suggest that they are going to sort of go on any sort of run here. But it's good that they won a game. It's good for the league. The Ticats, I got a lot of questions about. I do not know what's going on in Hamilton. That is a team that the expectations coming into the season were that they were going to be a, a, a Grey Cup front runner. 
I guess I, I think we could say front runner. Uh, they're currently three and six. They're spiraling a little bit. They've lost two in a row. They lost two Edmonton. You're the first team in the league to lose Edmonton. Um, what is going on in Hamilton? We're gonna have to check in with them pretty soon. But you know, when you have two Labor Day games against Toronto coming up, those are gonna be tough games. And there's a possibility that these Tigers are gonna be very much. Uh, I can't say they're gonna be out of the conversation because like there's they're they're they've got the same record as the Red Blacks. They're you know it's not like the Stamps are. Or riders are amazing, so I doubt that there's going to be a strong possibility of any crossovers or anything like that. But look, yeah, the Tigers, what a weird year they've had. Um, I do sympathize they're on their what I don't know their 18th quarterback. But either way, good on Edmonton. I'm excited about that. We're gonna have a lot of Edmonton talk with with Eddie Steele, who I'm super excited to have on. I want to just reiterate that I really appreciate his time. He was awesome. Um, such an insightful guy. Obviously, has been in media. Has, has, has played a long time in the CFL. And with the news about Victor Cooey, felt like it was important to have him on. I, I sort of led my last podcast saying, I don't know what I'm talking about here, guys. I, I don't have enough information. But Eddie does have a lot of information. So it was, it was really interesting chat. Um, last night, what, I'm about 11 hours removed from leaving McMahon Stadium. Uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 19. Calgary Stampeders, 18. I don't know. The, the Stamps need to figure out a way to get in the end zone. It's been a couple games now. Um, you know, Rene Paredes kicked six field goals. He also missed two. That cost him. This is a game that the Stamps had every opportunity to win and just couldn't put their foot on the gas and, and get it done. And I think getting it done involves touchdowns. That's the ultimate um, goal. I will say, man, I don't know what people are talking about. All I'm hearing is that this game was dull and boring. What game were you guys watching? Relax. Okay, there were no touchdowns. Is that really the only measure for whether a game is fun and interesting? This was a crazy physical game. Tommy Lee Lewis, man, how many nice returns did that guy have? I look at Reggie Bagleton flying through the air, coming up with uh, one when the a huge catch when the Stamps were pinned back in their own zone. Tommy Lee Lewis in the fourth quarter, going down the sideline, unreal. Uh, Mark and Michelle sprawling out between two defenders, bringing that catch down. Uh, there were so many big plays. There were fun plays. Honestly, I really enjoyed myself watching this game. If it's just touchdowns that you're looking for, guys, I mean, watch Sports Center. Go on YouTube. Look at a look at a, I don't know. Look at a highlight reel. This is football. This was good. This was two teams that don't like each other that have a long history together playing great football. Willie Jefferson, what a player. Adam Bigel, what a player. Man, Demario Houston with a pick six. This Bombers defense is so good. It's probably the last team you want to be playing with if you're a Stampeders offense. It's a little bit low on confidence, and I think they are low on confidence. I don't think things are fully clicking. Um, but I saw some, I, I, I saw a Stamps team that fought, and look, I, I'm not trying to put this on any one player. Um, but, oh, there were no touchdowns. Well, Luther Hacken-Avanu had a drop there that was a pretty much surefire touchdown had he caught the ball. Stamps would have won the game if that had happened. Let's be honest. That happens, and then it's, it's very shortly after that the Jake Mayer throws the pick six, which is a, a bad play as well. I'm so I'm a little bored of people saying, oh, Jake Mayer, Jake Mayer, Jake Mayer. I, I thought he played a pretty decent game, had one big mistake, didn't work out. Um, yes, there are th this guy is has got some improvement to do. No one's denying that. But you know, if Luther comes down with that ball, they win the game. And there was a Trey Roberson earlier in the game, um, did have a drop. Probably should have been an interception. You know, Rene Paradis misses two field goals. I'm not putting this game on him. One of them was a long one. Um, Stamps were one point short. Yes, 
the Bombers were playing with Drew Brown as their, you know, that's their backup. It's not Zach Galeros. This game is probably different if Zach is in there. But, you know, Drew Brown threw for golly knows how many yards a week earlier against Edmonton. Definitely 300. I could look it up. I'm not going to. Um, But he was great. You know, had people talking about how he'd earn himself a, a starting role somewhere in the league next year. Well, Stamps held him to 17 for 27 for 171 yards, no touchdowns. It was pretty impressive there. Um, you know, we talk all the time about how good this this Bombers receiving group is, and they are. I mean, Dalton Schoen, Nick Dembski, she Bailey, Drew Wolitarski, Kenny Lawler. That, that's, I mean, that's a great group. I'm not trying to say not, but the Stamps contain them. Stamps did a nice job. Um, yeah, it was against the backup quarterback, but you still got to go out and do the job. And I thought the Stamps defense really, really stepped up. In a real way, after a, a a very difficult, challenging performance against the BC Lions a week ago, so um, if people are just going to dismiss that thing. Oh, I was the backup quarterback. Well, all right. I don't really have a counter argument beyond the beat what's in front of you, and the defense did everything in its power. Um, you know, the only the only difference in this game, I mean, is a is a pick six. That's the reality. I thought that the Stamps defense was was. Better than the Bombers' offense, I thought, on special teams. I mean, Shaq Richardson coming in, what, he was showed up at practice on on Wednesday, on Friday night, he's blocking a, he's blocking a punt. I think it was a punt. Might have been a field goal. Should have that up. But um, that's a nice reintroduction to, to everyone. Jonathan Moxie wasn't even out there. You know, so I, I, I really do think that the defense is great. I thought special teams was excellent. Tommy Lee Lewis was just, I mean, his returns. How that guy hasn't taken one back doesn't even really matter if he's taking one back that's not the only job of the return it's to establish field position and he gave it uh the offense just couldn't quite get it in there um you know i don't know i don't know this is the same thing week after week that we talk about and for me this game came down to one you know not one mistake that's the thing it's not fair to say that this came down to the pick six because it didn't it came down to a lot more than the pick six there was the pick six there was the there was the dropped interception there was the dropped field goal or sorry, dropped touchdown pass. So I don't know, guys. This is the Stamps team. I, I was talking to Ryan Ballantyne after, and I think I'm going to have him on Wednesday. My parents are here until Wednesday, so I'm going to drop them off at the airport, come in, and we'll probably do a, a pretty big Stamps episode uh, with Ryan. We'll obviously try to keep it CFL um, in general, but I'm going to have Ryan on it, and, and we laughed because, you know, we thought that the Stamps were probably going to come out of August 2-9 and nine when they had Toronto, BC, Winnipeg, Toronto. Look, the worst they can be is three and eight. They beat Toronto. They've got Toronto next week. Um, it's frustrating, but they lost by one point. When you go back, they've lost in overtime twice. This entire season has just been games that you just sort of feel like if one or two moments go the other way, but they're not going the Stamps way. That's the reality right now. And, uh, you know, I think you you make your own luck. So that's not me saying, oh, there was no responsibility. But, you know, they, a little bit of confidence, a little bit of swagger. That's what Dave Dickinson said. Yeah. Uh, that would make a big difference. But, you know, we saw Jake Mayer push the ball downfield. I thought he looked pretty good. Um, it's not enough, but I also, you know, 11 of 24 for 190 yards with one interception, no touchdowns. It's not enough. I don't know if there was a ton of progress that, that the Stamps are going to be thrilled about on offense, but I don't know. It's the Bombers, man. Like that defense. Guys, look who's on that defense. We have to accept where the Stampeders are right now. We can't just think, oh, they're suddenly going to turn into the 2017 or 2018 Stampeders. That's not who they are right now. They are a work in progress. So 
the idea that oh well they lost to the bombers what a nightmare i had people saying oh well the season's done no the season's not done guys they have two games against edmonton who yes look better sam's better beat edmonton both those games they better win labor day and they better win when they go back up they have games against hamilton later in the season there are a lot of winnable games coming up for the stampeders let us not forget who the bombers are the stamps as they are currently constructed nobody in their right mind is picking the stampeders to beat the bombers and they lost by one and the stamps shot them in themselves in the foot with the number of mistakes it makes you mad that they're making mistakes i can't tell you that you're wrong i understand that but if you accept who they are that they are not right now the best team in the league that they are not right now the second best team in the west or the first best team in the west that they're trying to play catch up that they are behind the lions that they were behind the bombers right now they're behind the riders if you accept that and you are looking for progress instead of signs that they are all of a sudden going to reemerge as this powerhouse it's not going to happen this year, guys. Like it, it, they may emerge by season's end as a team that is, is competitive and might be able to win playoff games. I'm not saying that they won't. But if you were just expecting them to play to the standard that they were you know, back when they won the Great Cup every year, no, it's a work in progress. It's a young team. Not everything is fitting right now. They are going to have to improve. And I understand how frustrating it is to, to see a team that's 3-7. and seven. I don't know. I really enjoyed that game. I thought that given what happened against the Lions – you don't see progress i i think that you're missing the forest for the trees um i really do and it, it might not get better next week we might be sitting here next weekend guys talking about another loss to the argos in toronto that's a tough game that the argos are right now the best team in the league so um all i can preach is patience i'm still having fun I'm still having the time of my life love covering this league can't wait to watch the alouettes and the red legs can't wait to watch the lions and the rough riders can't wait to look ahead to week 12 Watch all that. It's going to be great. You got oh, Montreal, Winnipeg next week. I'm just looking at it now. Calgary, Toronto, Hamilton, BC. That's not a good game, but I'm going to keep my excited voice on, trying to be positive. It's a Saturday morning. Ottawa, Edmonton. Edmonton might finally win at home. Gosh, what a time to be alive, guys. Anyways, real quick, we're going to go to Eddie Steele right now. He's got lots to say. He's the best dude. Um, really, really interesting interview. Hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you quickly to Fraser and Fig, who, by the way, I am picking up a Fraser and Fig um, charcuterie board on Tuesday. Heading out to my aunt's Buffalo Ranch. We're bringing my dad ordered a, a large charcuterie board. So I cannot wait. We're not going to eat it on air. No, not doing that. We keep promising we're going to do that, but that takes a little bit of organization. I got to have John Bender. I got to have Cami Kepke. I got to have Ian Busby. We're all going to do it together. Um, we got to get Cami on the show soon. That'll be, that, that's a priority for me. Um, but anyways, yeah. Thank you to Fraser and Fig. Can't wait to chow down on that. And and thank you to Muggs Pub. Can't wait to play some trivia, watch some football at Muggs Pub. Thank you to both our sponsors. And thank you to you, our, our listeners. Uh, we will be back on Thursday to talk all things CFL. Um, I'm saying this is just as if this is the outro. It's not. Let's go to Eddie Steele. Can't wait for you guys to hear what he has to say. Cheers. Guys, what are you doing tonight? I don't know what you're doing tonight. You're probably looking for something. Guys, you got to go check out Mug's Pub. This is probably my favorite pub in the city, 1330 15th Avenue Southwest, right in the Beltline. Honestly, they do it all. I, for years, played trivia on Wednesday nights at Mug's. It's the best trivia night in the city. Other nights, they got music. They got specials every single night. Some of the best food and drink specials in the entire city are at Mug's Pub. You want wine. You want beer. You want cocktails. They got it all. Big fan of their fish and chips. They got some amazing pizza. You want to watch the game? They got TV screens. You want to just have a drink with friends? 
Perfect spot to do it. If you want to have some food, as I said, it's delicious. Mugs Pub. We love having them as a sponsor. We love having them just down the road from us here at our studios. Check out Mugs Pub. They're the best. All right. As promised, we have Eddie Steele. Eddie, I don't even really know how to introduce you. You've done you've done everything. Um, <laughs> how, how would you introduce yourself if you were? Uh, I would just go uh, has been former football player. I mean, <laughs> I did nine years in the league, won a great cup with the Edmonton Eskimos, the then Eskimos, and did a little bit of media, some radio work, and uh, got, you know, uh, fired from that a couple of years ago for um, opening my mouth a little bit too wide. And uh, that actually ended up uh, giving me a great opportunity uh, that presented itself with Sportsnet to do a little bit of TV work covering a great cup where I first met you, Danny. Of so, yeah, I kind of dipped my toes in a few a few different waters and uh, it's been a, a fun go, that's for sure. I will also say, I don't think that you opened your mouth too much there. Um, I mean, I, that's that's a, a, a smart way of saying it, I guess, at this point. But, like, we need people who who call stuff out in the league. And I uh, I certainly know that a lot of us appreciate it. It's just that it's everything's gone. It's not like things have gotten better since then in Edmonton, necessarily. So it's been weird. But I guess I, I don't just want to jump right into, into the negatives. Because, I mean, it's been a while since these guys have won a game. And, and the Elks actually won. Um you happy to see it? What did he like from that game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, way, way overdue. I mean, geez, they were sitting at 0 and 9, and like we haven't seen that. I haven't seen that at all. I don't know how long you've been covering the league, but uh, I'm sure you probably haven't seen that in your your CFL lifespan either. And man, it's it's tough to see, especially with the franchise that Edmonton is, right? You know, they are so used to being a staple and a flagship organization. Um, a pillar in the CFL with a ton of success. Uh, so to see them kind of in the dumpster the way they've been over the past few years, it, it really hurt. So when they finally got that win, uh, it was awesome to see. Made me feel good. It really did. Uh, and Trey Ford, like, what can you say? The kid's a stud. He really is. And I have to eat my words a little bit because maybe I was buying into a little bit of what Chris Jones was saying in terms of Ford wasn't ready, had a bad training camp, uh, was, wasn't looking too good in practice. And quite honestly, I spoke to a couple of players too on the team who told me some similar sentiments, right? So, but when the lights turned on, I mean, the past two weeks, Trey Ford's looked really good in my opinion. So, I mean, the, the future is bright there, certainly. So that's good for the organization. Yeah, my thing with the Trey Ford situation there when they weren't playing him for so long had more to do with like I just felt like Taylor Cornelius's confidence was getting broken down. Like you you can't I, I don't like seeing a young player, particularly in a high profile position like quarterback, who is struggling. I don't like seeing them just kind of get trotted out there to, to look bad again and again and again. Um, so I just wanted them to do something different. And especially because at the beginning of last year, I mean Trey Ford, it was super, super small sample size. But, I mean, it's not like we didn't see that he could play. I mean, he had the arm. He got hurt against Calgary, but, it, you know, at least on one drive, had a huge throw down field. So, yeah. yeah. So um, so I was just kind of – it, to be honest, had more to do with the sympathy for Cornelius because there, there does come a point, and I think we're seeing it a little bit with Jake Mayer here in Calgary where his confidence seems to be shook, and you just – give them a little bit relief. Like I, I know that they do that in hockey when the goalie's confidence is shook, just give him a week off, give him a week to work on his game, like do whatever. And so for me, seeing Trey come in and I mean, they're not asking him to be Warren moon, but, nope. but he looks, he looks good. Like he looks confident and it looks like something you can build around. That's for sure. 
especially this last game against Hamilton, what really impressed me was uh, just some of the movements. If you pay attention and you would totally know this, just the nuances and you can see the confidence, you know, he's moving around, rolling out, looking to throw still, looking to find guys instead of just your typical rollout and tuck it just to get whatever yards you can get and little things like that. That's really good to see, especially for a young quarterback. Uh, I do want to ask you this because you're right there in the scene. Is that what you think it is with Jake? And is that confidence, man? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that we're waiting for the Stampeders team for some of these young guys to step up. I think we saw Clark Barnes, but I, I, I do feel like if you were to ask me who the best players have been, uh, it's been veterans right now for this team. And I, I, I don't think that they can fully, continue that way and that's something that i mean you heard it about trey ford um jeff hamilton i, I think we'll have a story coming eventually where he talked to some guys and I, I do think the offensive line hasn't been very good i don't think jake's been great under pressure um and i think then he's being put under a lot of pressure and um i do think he throws off his back foot quite a bit but he he makes some throws i mean yesterday he had a he had a great throw to tommy Lee lewis where he was rolling out of the pocket um so, I mean, I, I, my main answer would be, like, I don't fully get it because I've seen Jake be much better than this. Um, and, like, that, I mean, that pick six yesterday, I'd argue, was really the one mistake he made all game. Yeah. Um, but you can't make that mistake, right? So so where does it fall in? And then, like, against BC, I thought the play calling was really underwhelming. I didn't think that they were pushing downfield. Like, I, I think, as you know, with football, it all the like, it's all the puzzle pieces have to fit. And and then when you have a quarterback who, you know, we're not hearing from him or from Dave Dickinson any concerns about the confidence, but like there's no way that when this is happening again it's and again visible. and again, it's visible. It's, it's it's visible, and like we saw him, you know, he's played about 20 games now, and and definitely for the first half of of those games, like this was a guy who could make the throws, who looked lights out, lights out. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know, but I, I will say that I don't have faith that any of the other three guys quarterbacks on the Stampeders roster are, are are ready to go like it's going to be Jake for the rest of the year and I just injuries to receivers are hurt losing Malik Henry although I, I thought Mark and Michelle stepped up I think that the O-line um I, I really do think uh, the O-line played well yesterday um there's only so much you can do against Willie Jefferson but yeah. like that it, it's it's everything and then I and I, I do think Jake needs to be better and I think they need to figure out how to actually use his skill set but um, it's the reality is it's just it's not working. It, it's amazing how much things change in a year. Uh, because take Nathan Rourke out of the picture last year, even myself, I was saying Jake Mayer and Taylor Cornelius, they like they were the next up and comers. I was bullish on both yeah. of them, and I still really do believe in Jake. I do. Uh, you can see he's got just the talent of an arm, but you're right that the first half of his career starts wise has been drastically different than the, the back half here you would know this better than than most like how much like they talk about how in baseball like a, a rookie pitcher his first time through the the majors you, you can't trust the numbers because teams figure out what he, he can do and, and figure out how to kind of um hit off him is that similar with quarterbacks like because i do feel like we see quarterbacks get off to hot starts and then come back down to earth the second teams have tape on them Absolutely. And you nailed it. It's the tape, Danny. And case in point, and I, I've been hard on him. I don't want to, it's nothing personal. It's just the reality of what I see. Cody Fajardo. He had a great year in Saskatchewan in 2019. And I always knew because he was a backup third stringer 
for the previous three, four years of his career, I knew what he was about at that point. I played him. I, I saw him. So when he had that one breakout year in Saskatchewan where everybody was dubbing him as the best thing around, and I, I caught a lot of flack because I said, hold on, pump the brakes. And actually, if you go back and look at the history, everybody who agreed with me was players who <laughs> knew. Exactly, players who knew. And sure, he's not um, a dreadful quarterback, but he's certainly not a 5,000-yard passing quarterback like he was that year. Um, you know, it's kind of like the stars aligned. And what's funny about that is Stephen McAdoo was his offensive coordinator that year. You know, Jones's voice. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty funny, actually, how that works. So, I mean, since we're talking quarterbacks, do you believe that? I mean, Chad Kelly now, I mean, he, he's still only, what, nine starts into his CFL career, really? But do you, do you buy him? I do buy him. You can tell guys when they... Chad Kelly's a passer, and you can tell when the the ball that comes out of his hand, much like Jake, like you can tell it's Jake throws a different ball than Chad in the sense it's more touch, more finesse. Chad rips it though, man, and he lets that thing go, and he he is the definition of a gunslinger. Uh, and from what I've heard, I've heard the dude is just a real good teammate. You know, like obviously we know the history of you know yeah. his past transgressions, but I've heard he's really matured, and I heard he's a hell of a teammate out there. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. Like, I've heard that they love him in, in yeah. Toronto. Um, I mean, I don't know if he's going to get the NFL shot that he wants, but if he doesn't, like, I mean, what more can you – that that Toronto team just seems uh, – where we both – I mean, Corey Mace is just one of the good guys, and I, I know so many of the coaches there, so it's like it almost feels – out. He's got him swagged out. Yeah. He really does. And with Toronto, it's – they're they're coming off of a Grey Cup win. And normally Toronto – like, Toronto wins a Grey Cup every three, four years – but they're bad. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're going to slumps right now. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to say they're the best team in the league right now. They're, I mean, Winnipeg, they're proven Winnipeg's a, a a beast, a giant. But I think Toronto right now looks better. No, I agree. Um, I mean, the thing with Winnipeg is I always feel like I'm looking for signs of their regression, whereas with the Argos, I'm looking for signs that they are this good. Opposite. So, yeah. Um. But I mean, I, I honestly like people talk about it, but it is that that big three right now because I'm man, I'm so impressed with Vernon in BC. Like mm -hmm. I, I honestly, I I had Farhan on the show a couple weeks ago, and he was just saying he was like, at what point are people going to stop saying that Ber Vernon is inconsistent? Like, yeah, yeah, he had one bad game against the Argos this year, but like go back, however many seasons, he doesn't have that many bad games, and people just no. say he does. It's, it's a little bit like Sean Lemon. I always used to hear Sean Lemon was a bad teammate. Or, and stuff and it was like there was just actually no if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for 
you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Evidence to support it at no, all. No, no, I don't, I don't know where these... Uh... The, this rhetoric comes from right with lemon and and like he's been cut and the coaches will go out in the media and say things and i i just don't get it i know i'm on a personal level you do as well i mean the numbers speak for themselves it makes no sense i love what he's doing right now like it's so such funny. a big f you to so many people including everyone here in Calgary. we know it, that. you know yeah. like in in VA, same same deal. Like VA is producing in BC. It's not just their offense who is making them look good, but their defense is playing lights out. Man, Ryan yeah. Phillips has those boys playing fast right now. Yeah, it's amazing, and they they've got that swagger to them, which I just yeah. think you can feel. And I mean, that D line is it comes at you in waves, like it's nonstop. And they've got, I think they dress more D line than anyone in the league. I, I, yeah, they do. I think. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> just. Going back to the Alex, like with that win, I had it pretty much chalked up that like, all right, well, whatever happens in August for the Stamps, they get to two Labor Day games against against Edmonton, and and they'll be okay because of that. Did did that game at all change your opinion on how how, how those games might go? Uh, absolutely, and I uh, I tweeted this recently too. Um, this win against Hamilton and Ottawa, they play Ottawa this upcoming week, and Ottawa is right for the pickings too. Yeah. Uh, and I, it, who's kidding who? Like, if you, a spade is a spade, Edmonton's record's not anything good, but they haven't been playing bad football. They haven't played a full football game, but they played Winnipeg really tight two weeks ago, too. So, like, they actually have been starting to play some good football and start to elevate their game a little bit. So, this Ottawa game, if they can go and win this game against Ottawa at home, first win at home in front of the fan base since the rebrand. Uh, and then you got a little momentum in your two wins and you're right almost in the thick of it in terms of the playoff mix, as crazy as that is to say. And then you got Calgary who might be limping into the Labor Day week. I mean, there's something there and Chris Jones might be able to turn something around here. I know it's it's not that far off. No, I like I think Ottawa fights like I, I like the way Bob Dice has that team playing. Mm -hmm. um, it's just is the execution there. Yeah. Um, and. No, I mean that's the reality. Is like, look, the Riders have the Lions tomorrow. They're they're probably not winning that game. Like, there's a good chance that the the Stamps and, and Riders will have three and four wins yeah. going into their Labor Day games. The Riders are not beating Winnipeg in those no. games. Not without no. like they don't, no. they don't have a quarterback, right? Like they just don't. No, no, no. With Mason Fine, no, they're not. Those you can trust. Is it even there. Mason Fine at this point? Like, I don't know what his. Well, yeah, he pulled his hammy, but I'm thinking he'll be back based off what I heard. Um, yeah. I heard by that point he should be back, but phew, you never know.
yeah, yeah. They're, they're a hurting unit over there too i know um i mean you mentioned the home losing streak like the home win almost matt like i mean it just matters at this point right like i i talked to jerry motorjong there is just like an embarrassment and a frustration that seems to have settled in it yeah. would it, that's the key here to sort of starting to re-engage the fan base just a little bit it's just get one just just stop the bleeding that's all it comes down to. I'm asked this question all the time, honestly, Danny. Um, what do they need to do to get people back to re-engage? I don't want to hear the garbage about yeah, they got to change their name back. Like that just shows how uneducated you are if you really think an organization is going to turn around, spend twenty plus million to go back to being the Eskimos. That's not how it works. But all you have to do is win. That's all you have to do. Win and people will come. They will come back. Pro football is not about anything else but winning. The ex-president Len Rhodes famously said back in 2016, I believe it was, when he fired Ed Hervey, he said, pro football is more than about winning football games. And that is so wrong. That is so backwards. And that's why Len Rose was out as president, because it's only about winning football games. You win games, people buy jerseys, people buy merch, people come to the games, people buy season tickets, people buy the hot dogs, the beers. It is all about winning. Everything else is secondary. Winning in pro sports is everything. Winning, and, they'll come. And, like, that's true of every market. Like, we haven't seen it. In, it hasn't been tested in Winnipeg because the Bombers have been so good for the last five years. But, like, Regina at the end of last year, like the riders were not coming anywhere near a sellout. They were not drawing, drawing big. Um, yeah. Calgary. I mean, I think Calgary is one of those markets where it's a little bit more complicated uh, right now. I wins would bring a couple thousand more fans back, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like I, people ask me and I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, man. Like this is not just wins and losses. There's, there's you can there's, feel it. Hey, yeah, there's something's changed. I don't know yeah. what it is. And I, and to be honest, like Jay McNeil, who's the VP of, you know, business operations i do not put it on him like he's he's doing a ton of stuff yeah but like you know i i met up um i'm not drinking right now but like i met up at a bar with you know Derek taylor jeff hamilton farhan yeah. showed up and like look there were t- like two or three tvs playing thursday night's game the majority were was nfl preseason at the mm. bar i mean like that's that's just the reality in calgary right now um yeah. and i i don't see i don't see the stamps having a pre- presence around the city outside of mcmahon really mm-hmm. um but i also think the fact that they were with the exception of sort of a couple of years in the early 2000s since the 90s they were the cream of the crop in the cfl really like the years the john the huffnagel years you know you look at the quarterbacks it's, it's an incredible list and i, I just think that like on, on some level winning isn't enough here um yeah. and that's like that's sort of the interesting spot but i don't know i mean it's tough here too because i go back to you know i started covering the team in 2016 but since then, you just look at the number of guys who went to the NFL from Calgary. There's probably 13, 14, maybe even 15 guys in, in six or seven years. So yeah. they've, de- they've developed and brought in and scouted this talent that only stayed here for two or three years and then went south. And then when they came back, they didn't always come back to Calgary. Winston McManus went to Toronto. You know, there's, there's all sorts of examples like that. So, you know, they, they, it's, it's not as simple as people saying, oh, well, they can't scout. It's like, well, some of the guys they brought up here were so good that they, they could go make life-changing money in the NFL. absolutely absolutely i and no i don't put it on scouting or anything because they have talent they really do and they've always found gems i think there is a real thing to be said with uh fatigue man 
kind of like uh, winning, like or voters fatigue, sorry, for awards. Uh, people kind of get a little bit of fatigue of seeing, like you mentioned, Calgary's been the cream of the crop, Winnipeg. People are ready to start seeing Winnipeg start to get knocked off because you get that fatigue, right? You've been dominant for so many years. Well, I was talking to Willie Jefferson and trying to get him to say how good he is. Um, and, and he just wouldn't do it because Willie's not that type of guy. He He's always going to say team, team, team. But like for me, like I would compare on camera. <laughs> That's probably true. Uh, but I was like in my head, I was comparing it to like in the NBA with like Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid, where like people just weren't going to vote for Jokic for a third straight MVP this season. Um, now I'm not. I'm actually not one of those people who thinks Embiid didn't deserve it. But I feel like with Willie, there's only so many ways you can say that this guy is the premier defensive end in the CFL. I mean, it's pretty incredible. I, I thought he was by my high standards for him because I've played with him for three years and oh, you know, right. really good friends with him now. Still, by my high standards, I thought he's having a slow year. And then I look at the numbers and I'm thinking, ah, oh, Willie, is he losing a step? I look at the numbers. Guy second in the league in sacks, two behind bets. In Willie has eight, mm -hmm. and he is by far leading the league in knockdowns over the next highest DB by like eight or nine knockdowns. Yeah. Man, those are just as good as sacks. Completely. So his production actually has probably gotten better than it's ever been. Who's kidding who? Jake Mayer, and I actually don't know that it was Willie who got his hands on the balls, but Jake, after yesterday's game, he took full accountability for the pick six. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that he was deferring at all, but then he was like, and then there were just a couple tipped passes. And he was like, like there was one to Trey Odom Stukes on the final drive finish the drive, right? Like force them to kick from 50. Renee Paradis misses that field goal. And then there was one that I honestly thought Reggie caught the ball, but it was the one that, you know, that the stamps challenge. It was, it was on the turf basically. And that was a tip pass. And, and Jake was just like, was like, those were arguably the difference in the entire game. So it's one absolutely. of those. We don't pay enough attention to. Yeah, absolutely. And on both of those, uh, Willie, they moved Willie inside to defensive tackle they had him a lot at defensive tackle rushing over the guards and there was willie is so smart and this is good coaching because you make your first move and if you're not going to get there well then you want to just kind of press the pocket and get your hands up get in the throwing lane and that's exactly what willie's doing he wasn't beating zach williams and i forget who the uh the other guard was on Brian his Cedar. first move yeah yeah, Cedar, yeah. Cedar, on his first move but then he would kind of just push the pocket and then get that six seven frame right up yeah well, and this is anecdotal, but like I go back to like 2019 and 2021 Grey Cups, where like you know I hadn't watched Hamilton all that closely. Like my memory of those games is just the Bombers just knocking down passes on the D line. Like the, the it wasn't actually like sacks or anything like that. It's just the Ticats couldn't get the ball anywhere yeah, near there. Right. So. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, their defensive line that game they dominated them. I knew on the first series the way Jeff Coat and Willie came out in that Grey Cup that it was game over. Yeah, I mean when those guys are on. Yeah, you can't. There's no O tackle in the league that can stop both of them, because one guy is gonna win. That's just the odds, you know. It's yeah. reality. Yeah, I mean, I do think people talk about there being a lack of, of of quarterback talent. I do think that the tackle talent right now uh, concerns me as well. Mm -hmm. like it, it does feel like there's still American defensive linemen you can get up, despite the spring leagues and despite you know the NFL larger practice rosters, but. Man, the NFL doesn't have enough offense. No, and I would thoroughly agree. I would say uh, offensive line talent in general. It's kind of like the quarterback where there, you're right. There is a lack of 
good players. There really are. And the good players, they come at a premium. They do. Yeah. Well, I mean, the stamps are paying a lot of money to their, to the interior. That's for sure. Like with yeah. Sean McEwen, with Sevier and Zach Williams. Um, okay. <laughs> I got to ask you about what happened with Victor Cooey. Um, it was such a weird, like, so I'll be honest with you that I had heard some things. So I didn't say anything on social media at all when it was announced because I saw the rush of, of fans of, of some media sort of saying, oh, this is a travesty. He's being blamed for the record, all of that. We've now seen other stuff on social media clearly indicating that, you know, there were, there were larger problems. Uh, what's your reaction just in general? Then? Yeah. Initially I was pretty shocked, you know, I was quite taken aback, but then having some more in-depth conversations and gaining some more insight, uh, I wasn't as shocked. And uh, I think with him, there was a big sense of um, empty calories with Victor, just with things that he said and uh, just things that he wouldn't follow through on. He he liked to hype up and promise a lot of things to people. And, you know, I've, act, I've kind of been a casualty of that myself. You know, it is what it is. Uh, but it's really telling when he got they mutually parted ways he got fired whatever you want to call it it's really telling when that happened and it actually had nothing to do with an 0 and 9 on-field football product right so that's that's saying something that's saying in the offices there really was something going on because this was not about the terrible on-field product that the elks are so that's saying the depth of what was going on yeah, I like that it's actually there was a bigger issue than an 0-9 record. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Like that workplace environment, I heard there was many uh, senior level staffers who were on leave and stress leave and things like that. And just, yeah, kind of bully is the word that keeps coming up, right? Bully in the work atmosphere. And I know former employees that uh, were around the team when I was playing. And so you get to know these people well and yeah, who are not with them anymore. And it's not very positive, the words that they have to say about Victor. Now, again, my personal encounters have been pretty good, but I totally can get that perception of the uh, the empty promises with a guy like him. I, I do. Well, I mean, I, I'm not in any way, like I don't have that insider information, but like my sense was you'd see these like free ticket promotions. You'd see, you know, Victor, Victor on Twitter. And the reality is like, that's such a small part of the job, you know, being on yeah. Twitter and saying how much you love the league. And it's like, you just get the sense that, I mean, Victor's a prominent guy. He's obviously the president. It's a big role. When I saw that they were, you know, as you said, mutually parting ways, there was no way that there wasn't something deeper going exactly. on. And, and until, and until I know what that is, I don't feel super confident that I should, should comment on it. Yeah. But like, what do you think the Elks need in a president? Is it sort of a, a business guy? Is it someone who has, has, has played? I, I mean, like the, that's, that's what really they got Jay McNeil, who was a prominent Calgary, you know, he's been in the Calgary corporate community, obviously has those connections, but as a former offensive lineman for the stamps is, is deeply connected to the culture. And he's sort of VP of business operations, but we know what that means. And like, yeah. that sort of seemed like the perfect hire for me for the stamps. But like, what would you like to see for the Elks there? Uh, I think at this point you need to be business oriented. Um, not so much. You have to be a, a former player. You have to, um, you know, have been a part of the history of the organization. I don't think you need any of that. I think you need to get the business of this team in order. Um, Cause they're 
cooking through money right now. They're burning up the books just because they're losing so much revenue every week. And let the football take care of itself. Uh, the business and football are two separate entities, and let them be those two separate entities, I think, right now. Uh, I keep hearing the name uh, Fleming, Sean Fleming tossed around. But, again, a guy who takes this job, you have to have quite an ego. You really do because it is a huge undertaking. You have to have the utmost confidence in your abilities. And typically people who get to that level in business are a level of success in business, you know, have the, that confidence and have that type of ego. But it's it's not a quick fix. It's not anything that you come in with a new president and all of a sudden next year it's going to be changed. And keeping it real, Danny, it goes higher than the president, man. There's been an, uh, an erosion in this organization, and that arrow points directly at the board. The board of directors, why has there been three or four presidents in the past five years? Like, that's the board who is making the decisions, hiring the people, and then firing them because they're the wrong person. That's directly the board of directors. And any president that comes in, they have to answer to the board. So I think it goes deeper. And I think you need to look at possibly some – no, not possibly. You have to look at some change up with the board of directors. Do you buy, like Dave Naylor tweeted, that private ownership will be on the table this offseason? Uh, do, do you buy that that – I guess, first of all, do you buy that it's a possibility? Second of all, could it be a good thing? Yeah, I, I do buy it actually, man. Uh, I heard the the organization was valued at like twenty eight million or twenty five million, something in there. That's not a lot of money, you know. There's a lot of deep pockets in this province, you know it down in Calgary and up here. There's a lot of deep pockets, and based off what I've heard um, from some of those TSN guys, uh, the old TSN twelve sixty guys, they were talking on a podcast, and they were talking. They they knew a couple of investors locally who actually had potentially tabled something. So. We'll see. I, I think it would be a, a better direction to go than community owned, in my uh, my opinion. Because um, when you're community owned, sure, it's great uh, to have the tie to the community. But there's too many hands. There's too many cooks in the kitchen, man, when you're community owned, as opposed to just a sole ownership and having someone, a head honcho, really calling the shots and hiring who he wants to hire or they want to hire. If, and I have no, that like, to be clear, zero information, but like, if the Oilers were interested, would that be, I mean, you've seen with MLSE, you've seen with CSEC here in, in Calgary, like if, if the Oilers ownership group was interested, would that be a positive? I, I think that would be a real positive. Um, not only for the fact that they have the pockets, you know, Daryl Katz has pockets, but from what I've heard, and I've never really experienced it, even dating back to 2013, when I first came on with the club. There hasn't been much, and I know the NHL CFL season, there's a small crossover, not a ton, but there's not a lot of uh, parlaying with the two organizations, parlaying Oilers stamps at different events and yeah. different things like that, getting players out together. I heard back in the glory days when both clubs were winning in the 80s, I heard they always did that, and they always had Oilers and Eskimos at different events and different fan days and autograph signings. I don't know why. The Elks wouldn't try and piggyback on top of the, the fanatic madness that the Oilers have right now in the momentum that they have. I think as an organization, I would come to them and I would try and ride all those coattails possible because right now the Oilers are the talk of the town everywhere in northern Alberta. I, I, like I say this to people all the time when they ask me about Edmonton, and I'm like, yeah, like the situation's obviously gotten bad at Commonwealth with the Elks, but also like it doesn't help that 
10 blocks away, you have the two most exciting hockey players in the world. Yeah. Playing, right? I mean, that like Absolutely. that combination is always going to help just or is going to hurt your ability to like stake a claim in the market. Uh, absolutely so man like i said ride those coattails yeah um well man I've, I've pretty much taken up the time um that i that more time than i than i asked for um can i ask just one more of those there absolutely man well you like former players honestly if i could just do former players as every guest on the show like it would be it would be my <laughs> move but um is there someone in the league who you don't feel is getting talked about that's sort of like caught your eye this season Ooh, that's a really good question. That's a I was not prepared for that at it's all. It's probably not fair for me to just throw it at you, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's just let me think on that. That's a really good question. Um, you know, he's getting spoken about quite a bit uh, just because he's standing out. But the the receiver in um, Saskatchewan, Canadian, Sean Bain. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's Canadian, right? No, he, uh, Sean Bain, I believe. I mean, he's oh, is he is he American? He's American. He was. In oh, Calgary. I thought he was Canadian. He was in Calgary the last two years. And Bain, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, him, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, him and Malik Henry were were fighting for that starting spot. Yeah, you're right. I, for some reason, I thought he's Canadian. Okay, scratch that. <laughs> <laughs> but he's playing well. He's he's playing well considering the circumstances. He's getting fed a lot of footballs, but yeah, I mean backups to back up to the backup is playing now so he's he's playing good football yeah i mean he's one of those guys who like the timing with malik henry tearing his uh achilles tendon is brutal because like everyone knew bain could play yeah Calgary. you know when he got his opportunities he was good but he was just behind you know one of the top receivers in the league on the depth chart and then yeah you release him and two games into the season or three games malik henry gets hurt and you're like, man we could use sean bain um, you know another name actually too, and take recency bias out of it. Uh, Tommy Lee, holy, he's special. He's, right? he's looked good in other games as a returner that I've seen, but yesterday he went off. Yeah, he's so fast. Like he, I honestly believe that he's operating at a different speed than everyone else. He is. is. He yeah. is visible, man. His cuts and he maintains momentum. It's wild. Yeah. No, he's a. Uh, that's the thing. I maintain that this stamps team. Like you asked me, well, what's what's wrong? Like. I don't think they're that far off, um, but not. they they had an August that happened to include you know next week's Toronto. They had two games against Toronto, BC, and Winnipeg. Those are the worst teams to play if you're a little bit low on confidence, right? Mm -hmm. You need the teams that are going to give you a break, that are going to get you going, and the Stamps just haven't had one of those in a while. They haven't. They haven't. But, again, this season you got Winnipeg, Toronto. Other than that, everybody's four wins. Right, so and BC, like, BC too. BC, sorry, yeah, BC, yeah. sorry, yeah. You got the three yeah. teams, and then, yeah, it's just a mishmash in the middle. No, I always sort of say that I have Montreal four, like comfortably right now, but at the same time, like that quarterback situation in Montreal, I don't like. I just have to have them significantly below. It's the top three, maybe mm -hmm. Montreal, and then the rest of the teams. And and again, you said it, man. If Edmonton beats Ottawa. I got to stop just saying, like, there's the top three and then the bottom one. They're not because, a write-off. Yeah, they're not a write-off anymore. I know. We laugh at Chris Jones when he like he said this week that the playoffs are still a possibility, and I, I think people kind of chuckled. But you Man, actually it's real. It down. Yeah, it's real. And honestly, Danny, I'm not sitting here as a homer or anything, but I have this feeling. I kind I got chills thinking about it. They're going to beat Ottawa. They're going to. They got this momentum, man. You get that first, that monkey off your back, and now they're yeah. going to come out and they're going to have confidence at home. 
because Ottawa's they're they're not sharp, and Crum is a, a young kid too, and Jones knows how to handle young kids. So it's good. I think they're going to do it. No, I I, I know they're going to do it, man. I'm confident. It's exciting, man. I'm excited for Edmonton. I've I've said all season, like I took no pleasure in what was happening with in Edmonton. Like I, I didn't like I wasn't. I mean, I'm not a real Calgary guy. I'm sort of born mm-hmm. and raised in Toronto, so I don't feel that rivalry. But like. Pretty much right off the bat, I was like, this sucks, man. Like, I want yeah, a good Edmonton team. Tough. League needs a good Edmonton team. Calgary needs a good Edmonton team. We need that right. Right? Exactly. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Eddie, man, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate this. Thanks so Thank much. you, Danny. This was awesome, man. Appreciate you, brother. Cheers. Guys, let's say you're having a party. Let's say you're having a picnic. Let's say you're having any occasion. We gotta talk to you about Fraser and Fig. Because I love these guys. Here in Martin Loop, a couple storefronts down from our studio here. Fraser and Fig, man, these guys do these delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie boxes. You know, they're made with all these fresh artisanal ingredients, on-demand grazing, pickup, delivery. You got it. Just let them know what you want. They will get it to you. Honestly, I'm such a big fan. I had a picnic a little while ago. I brought one of their curated boxes, and it was a huge hit. I looked great. People loved it. We're hungry. They weren't hungry anymore. These ready-to-go boxes, they got them in four sizes. All their boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. Their selections vary from month to month. Choices are always new. You know, just because they've had one doesn't mean you've had them all. I love Fraser and Fig. I love having them as a sponsor. They're the best. Make sure you check them out. Tell them by from the 55 sent you. All right. That was awesome. Thank you so much to Eddie for stopping by. Um, man, what a smart, insightful guy Eddie Steele is. Um, so happy that he he would take his time on a Saturday morning. He's got, you know, a young family to take care of and said, not instead, but for him to make time for me. Um, really meant a lot. And I hope you guys enjoyed that. I think that uh you know, what a, Edmonton's fascinating. That's all I'll say. Edmonton is so interesting. It's always something um, up there. And I, I think that, you know, Eddie, Eddie talked through his sort of reaction this week, going from, oh, what is going on? Victor Cooey's been let go to sort of developing a better understanding of it to then, you know, watching the Elks beat Hamilton and, and getting that optimism for, hey, maybe there's something to pay attention to for the season ahead, you know? Eddie's a guy who who loves that organization, loves that city. So that was that was awesome to kind of hear him walk us through that. And yeah, um, I don't know. This is this has been good. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, you know, we don't normally record on Saturday mornings, especially when there's two games coming up. But thought it was important to kind of get an episode out. And because of everything happening in Edmonton, and and because both the Stamps and and the Elks had already played this weekend, thought it was uh Thought we could pull this off. Hope we did, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to Mugs Pub. Thank you to Fraser and Fig. Thank you to you, our listeners. Uh, thank you to the Nation Network. Thank you to our Marvel Lips, too. Thank you to everyone. You name it. I'm just feeling grateful this morning, guys. So, yeah. Cheers. Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll we'll talk to you Thursday. Take care.